3: Welcome to The Daily
1: Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: It is a February 3rd edition of The Daily Face-Off Show and... Holy smokes, we're seeing each other in person <laughs> right now. This is this is, this is <laughs> real. It's happening. Uh, we are coming to you live from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada for the NHL All-Star Weekend. Tyler Ramchuk, Scott Burnside, Mike McKenna with you. We got 30 minutes of straight hockey talk loaded up. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on there. And let's just start with this, guys. The fact that we're here, the fact that the NHL is able to put on this event again, the fact that they're doing it in, ve- in Las Vegas and it's on a, this grand scale. Scott, I'll start with you. What does it mean to be back
3: at an all-star weekend? Yeah, well, first of all, I perhaps need a box for our, our next show. I didn't realize you guys were going to be so tall. Thank you very much for doing that. But, and actually, you know, I think when being here in Las Vegas, and I think being here, I don't know, five or six years ago and doing a story about the possibilities of an NHL team here in Vegas and what would it look like and would people support it and how would it, how would it fit in the NHL landscape? Well, we know the answer to that. It fits marvelously. It's one of the, um, you know, I think the, the standard bearers in terms of organizations in the NHL in a very short period of time, uh, But for me, it's about, you know, maybe a glimpse into what normal looks like and the fact that players are coming here and the media and the sponsors and fans. You see them all over the place here in Las Vegas, even in the last couple of days with their jerseys on. And um, maybe I'm Pollyannish, but uh, to me, this speaks to. Maybe what we can look forward to down the road, getting back to normal and getting through the pandemic and having, you know, things back to normal. And it's great to see you guys and it's great to be at an NHL event live
1: and in person. It is. And I think about just the evolution of hockey in Las Vegas and you go back dating to. The Thunder was here previously. And then, you know, the outdoor game at MGM with Wayne Gretzky that the ice is melting Mm -hmm. and (laughs) the the complete spectacle of that to the Wranglers in the ECHL that I played for. And now the Golden Knights and to be at the pinnacle of the NHL, you know, this isn't just an organization that's come into the league and, Found their way a little bit. They came in, knocked the door down, and now it is a premier destination for players, for fans. And you see it on display here. People yep. traveling in from all over. I saw all the mascots earlier <laughs> coming in, in the lobby. That's always exciting. So uh, it's just, it's a nice celebration, Scott. I think you really hit on it here. We are really all hopeful that this will be a turning point for the NHL, especially after the All-Star Game concludes with the change in the COVID testing and everything else. Exactly. Hopefully we get some hockey with a lot of players on the ice from here on until the end of playoffs.
0: The thing that always grabs my attention when you come here, especially like being up in Canada, when the team was given to Vegas, I think there was a lot of, is this Arizona Coyotes 2.0? Is it just going to be a rink filled with snowbirds and tourists? And that's kind of it. But when you come here, and if you've never been to Vegas before since the Knights came in, this town is crazy about their Golden Knights. Like yes. there's Golden Knights stuff in every shop on blackjack tables, whatever you can draw up. This town really does love their hockey. And it's great that they get this event to kind of showcase it. Yeah, And yeah. if you
1: go off the strip, you really notice it, especially. Okay. Right, Scott. You yeah. see it on the cars, the bumper yeah. stickers, everything. It's all over. Well, the license plates. And,
3: well, and this is a, a team that is taking care of business and, you know, I hate to bring it all back to Atlanta. But, you know, what the, the failings in Atlanta mm-hmm. is not providing a grassroots hockey system, not supporting the hockey for for the local and I were talking about at the game the other night, there's a, a regular gig at all the games and it's, you know, they prompt the crowd to cheer. Are you a local or are you a tourist? And it's, it's, it's a tourist. Yeah. Locals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, and I think that's so critical to what will happen here. Cause listen, they're, they're not going to be a Stanley cup finalist every year. They're not going to make the playoffs every year. There are going to be fallow times in this team's future but I think what they've done here, and my old pal Darren Elliott from Atlanta Days, former Canadian Olympian, uh, one of the many things he does for the Golden Knights, he's in charge of grassroots hockey and building the youth program here. And that is so critical to long-term success everywhere, but certainly here in a non-traditional. I hate to even use that yeah. term now, but in this marketplace, I really think they've done a nice job right from, the, from day one in building up that local hockey community. And I think it's going to pay dividends for years and years here. Yep. Yeah. A lot
0: of positivity here in Las Vegas. And then last night, there comes the dark gray cloud that is yet another controversy with the Chicago Blackhawks. This team is 24th in the NHL standings, but they lead the league in apology statements sent per 60 or something like that. Um, But Rocky Wirtz yesterday had some comments that uh, definitely have him in some hot water and have a lot of hockey fans disappointed. Let's take a listen to to a snippet of what happened last night.
4: I'm going to answer the question at the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. We're, I'm not talking about it. I, I know. And I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. No, and I think... No, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not gonna talk about Kyle Beach. We're not gonna talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You wanna keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. You said enough right there.
0: There is a lot of that that is incredibly concerning, um, but before we get to our take on it, there was a statement released last night that we can flash up right now. A statement from Chicago Blackhawks Chairman Rocky Words. Tonight at the Chicago Blackhawks Town Hall, my response to two questions crossed the line. I want to apologize to the fans and those reporters. And I regret that my response overshadowed the great work this organization is doing to move forward. We have created the right we have the right leaders and right processes in place to create a safe environment for our employees and players. And where I'll go with this, Mike, if you were a player in that organization or if you were an employee in that organization. What would you th- think reading that? Would
1: you buy any of it? Oh, it just looks so hollow. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Rocky Wurst just stood up there and berated journalists, Mark Lazarus, people, Mark from, Lazarus from the, Atlantic, from the yeah. Athletic. I mean, people who are invested in this in different ways. Like it's not just media members that were there. It's a town hall setting, and to be so combative and to talk down to people and basically say Kyle Beach situation is done. It's under the rug. It's never happened. It, it's exactly what happened when it occurred. And mm-hmm. how can you possibly say? Okay, players, staff members, anybody, if you think that something's happening, you need to come to us, you need to do this. Like, how can you believe that? How can you believe that you're going to be heard when your owner doesn't want to even admit that this is still happening in a a storyline? Because it is. Like, It's not going to go away. It was a very appropriate question. He said it's an inappropriate question. That's wrong. That's a very appropriate question because also the Blackhawks never stood up after the report was released and had anybody in front of the media. If you want to be transparent, you got to stand up and take the heat and you got to be ready for these answers. It could have been the simplest answer. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many things that could have been said that wasn't even combative that just simply Indicated that as an organization, us as the Blackhawks, will make sure that our players and our employees are safe, that they are able to come forward with anything that may be the case, and it would have been done. And instead, why is anybody going to give them their money? Yeah. If yeah. you're a fan, real, I'm not. I mean, his son tried to talk him down, Danny, where's the CEO, of, and nothing came of that. It's basically dad saying, "Step down, son." Yeah, yeah. terrible, Scott. <clears throat> well, it, it's hard to imagine
3: any. This could have gone any worse for the no. Chicago Blackhawks. And it, it really is a catastrophic event for a team <clears throat> that is trying to repair an image that has been sullied by maybe one of the worst scandals in NHL history. Yeah. And to, to have that kind of response puts a lie to everything that the team has said and done since the report came out. And I think the question now has to be, how can Rocky Wertz remain in the position as the senior executive in the face of that franchise? And I can't imagine what the response must have been for the NHL leaders, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, when they saw that happening, um, because... It the ramifications are enormous, and I'm wondering now how Rocky Words continues in that position. The apology is ham-handed and just it it it, it does boggle the mind that it happened that way. And now it's once again front-page news for the Chicago Blackhawks. That just should be, and and their response to uh, the scandal is, uh, you know, I think reveals, you know, the the many many miles they have to go. To, to get things right.
0: Let's move on here. And, and if something does develop throughout the day, we'll have more on it tomorrow on our show, obviously, and over at dailyfaceoff.com. We'll be covering it. Another story off the ice that is official as of, I believe, a hour ago, Pat Verbeek is the new general manager out in Anaheim. As you can see, the official release here, 35 years in the NHL. Pat Verbeek, really the definition of a hockey lifer. This is a guy who's done it all at a ton of different levels. Mike, what's the significance of this hiring happening?
1: for the Ducks to do it at this time because they didn't want to go into summer with question marks, especially with the number of unrestricted free agents, RFAs that they have on the board. You've got players in Anaheim that need contracts. And are you going to move them? You've got Lindholm on the back end, Raquel. You've also got Josh Manson, who's a huge part of that team. And Pat Verbeek now has to take this into account. Where are we going to go with these players? Because to me, I look at someone like Lundestrom I look at Lindholm, even Manson. Like, I would want to keep these players. Yeah. If you can pull that off. And I think that the the significance to me is that really, Scott, this is Pat Verbeek coming in. And yeah. this matters to me. And as a player, if I'm looking at, if I'm trying to believe in this organization going forward that, hey, we've got a good start here. We've got a coach we believe in. We're playing well. We got young talent. I'm not thrilled with their back end. You know, they can use a little depth up front. Ruby can handle that. Yeah. But I think the weight of hiring Pat Verbeek, who spent eight years working next to Steve Eiserman in Tampa Bay and then going to Detroit with him, winning Stanley Cups, it's a little bit different than hiring Jeff Solomon. All the respect in the world for Jeff Solomon, but Pat Verbeek carries some weight with his name. Yeah, there's no, I mean, there's no question. I mean, what, what was his nickname? <clears throat> the little ball of hate uh, as a player. I, he, I liked, I liked him <laughs> less than anybody in the <laughs> NHL. <as a> kid. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, with good reason. I think a lot of people felt the exact same way. But, you know, and having run into Pat over the years in press boxes and watching him work and you, and you alluded to it, Mike. Having learned at the knee of Steve Eiserman, and of course, we know that Julian Breezewa is carrying on the torch in, in Tampa since Steve Eiserman left to go back to Detroit. Uh, it's hard to imagine a better education for um, for Pat Verbeek, and now moving into his first GM role, I, I think it's an outstanding hire. And that Ducks team is—they're close. Yeah. And and you know, again, you know, we talk about the the, the the tumultuous time for the Anaheim Ducks with Bob Murray being forced to step aside and go into a treatment facility. Um, I think this is the perfect answer to that. It's—I think this team's ready to rejoin the whether it's Stanley Cup contender yet or not, but certainly playoff team terrific young talent there but they do have a lot of questions to answer in terms of their contract you know the Lindholm Manson <clears throat> contracts loom large for that team yeah. but i just think pat robieckson uh, is an incredible hire and to get him into place before the march 21st trade deadline you know where are the ducks going to be buyers what are they you know what are they going to do with those assets if they don't feel that they can lock up either lindholm or manson long term you know do you try and move them while still staying in the playoff hunt i mean it's a lot of balls in the air for the anaheim ducks i think getting pat Veek in into that role right now with some run where the trade deadline is critical. Um, I like that team. And uh, I, I, I think that's a great fit for the Ducks and, and their fans. They, they yeah. deserve this.
0: Yeah. And it's, it is something I should get the fan base excited because you look back at what he did, obviously, with Tampa Bay. Another fan base that is certainly excited right now. Fans of the Minnesota Wild. This team, a big win on national TV last night. Six in a row. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. Scott, I'll start with you. Is this wild group, as it's constructed right now, good enough to be a Stanley Cup contender in
2: your
3: eyes? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Oh, a little I not I'm not even, I I'm, not even I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I just, I guess I'm not unequivocal that yes, they are a contender. Mm-hmm. Listen, they play like it. The numbers speak for themselves. Yes. Okay. Yes, they are a Stanley Cup contender, but I'm curious to see what, what Bill Guerin does between now and the trade deadline. This Wild team is in such a curious spot in terms of their evolution because uh, looked at cap friendly this morning. I think they have uh, the projection of $11 million in cap space at the trade deadline, but they are also a team that in the next two or three years is going to have a ton of dead cap hits as a result of buying out both Ryan Suter and, and uh, Zach Parise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a window that is open for them. Uh, you know, the question for Bill Guerin, do you trade some of your assets? They've got a whole you know, they've got all their picks really for the next two or three years. Do you trade some of those assets to bring in depth up front? They're one of the top scoring teams in the NHL, which I admit was a bit surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, do you make those kinds of moves knowing that you're really going to have to rely on your draft for the next three or four years, you know, to overcome the, the cap hits that came with that difficult decision to buy out those two veteran players. So they're right there. Uh, it's
1: it, they're They're a ton of fun to watch. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Well, I think if the Minnesota Wild, especially if Bill Guerin looks at this and thinks, we can make this team better. He's got cap room to play with. Yes, they do have all their picks, but they're close enough right now that this is really a window where you got to go for it. I really believe that. I mean, if you're going to play it safe in this type of scenario, why are you playing hockey? And I I think this team has talent that can lead them forward. They just gave Jordan Greenway a nice contract, but a lot of it has been through not just the scoring, but the play of their goaltending. Okay. I mean, Capo Kakinen started the year. I'm not sure that the Minnesota Wild were convinced that they had the goaltending to go on the run. Well, Kakinen has answered. He has been on fire in the last 10 yep. games, last month and a half. He's really grabbed hold. And then Cam Talbot comes back after being out, and goes 3 and 0. So they're in a good place goaltending wise. They're scoring. I like that team. If Bill Guerin can add pieces at a reasonable price, I think he should. This is a time to go for the Minnesota Wild because they I- all believe in Dean <clears throat> Evison. I, I'm, totally, Jack on I, I'm totally on board now with, with Mike's <laughs> that, answer. So, yeah. Well, I'm sell jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I like that way that team's constructed. I when I too. watch <laughs> them play, I think this is a team that contend. They play heavy, they play hard and they're pretty deep. Well, and,
3: and we, I don't think we'll know if I go back to our board, our awards board that we put up at the midpoint of the season, you know, Dean Evison was a finalist last year for uh, coach of the year, uh, losing out to Rob Brindamore, but he should be right in the mix again because this is a team that I got it. You know, I'm, were they a playoff bubble team? Anyway, they're far exceeded that. And Dean Everson's done a great job there as head coach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a great second half story to see what the Wild do leading up to the trade deadline. But before we get to the second half of the season, it's All-Star Weekend. So let's get a little deeper into All-Star Weekend delivered by our friends at DoorDash. All right. Inside All-Star Weekend going to be our big segment on today's show and tomorrow's show as well, since, I mean, obviously we're live from Las Vegas for All-Star Weekend delivered by DoorDash. We've scoured the rosters. We're given our expert analysis on all of this. The most surprising All-Star to you. On the, on
1: the list, coming out here this weekend. Mike, your take? Jordan Cairo, the St. Louis Blues. Mm. And, uh, you know, you can look to some of the bottom feeder teams and find players that would be surprising yeah. because those teams aren't very good <clears> and you do have to send somebody. Mm-hmm. But Jordan Cairo playing for the Blues, he's leading the team in scoring. And you think about that club and the star power that's there. You've got O'Reilly and Perron and Krug. And and they, that's a deep club, Tarasenko. Cairo has taken the next step. He's leading that team in points, but also in the way that he drives play. You watch him skate. You watch him handle the puck. The confidence that he's playing with, the chemistry with Robert Thomas, Doug Armstrong's done a real nice job there. He's let the young players grow into the role in St. Louis. They've been surrounded by a nice, by really strong veterans. They've got a good mix. Boy, well, that'd be a fun series, wouldn't it? Minnesota St. Louis oh going after gosh. one another, yeah. wouldn't that be good? <clears throat> but yeah, I think Jordan Kyrou is my pick. He was a surprise. <clears throat> But he's done a great job so far this season, Scott.
3: Yeah. Um, first of all, when you think about the All Star <clears throat> All Star Weekend, it, you know it, it, sometimes there's a bit of cynicism. Some of the veteran players maybe they don't want to come, and you know I, I I totally get that part of it. You know, it was years ago the NHL introduced a, a punitive action if mm-hmm. a player is selected to All Star Weekend and if they weren't injured, basically if you didn't have a doctor's note, <laughs> you were suspended for the first game after. And I, you know I think that rubbed people the wrong way. I totally understand why you had to do that because you want to maintain the integrity. I think we're going to have 20 first-time All-Stars wow. this yeah. weekend. Um, and I love that part of it. But for me, I'd love to see a guy like Joe Pavelski getting a shot. I think this is his third All-Star appearance, but you know, Joe Pavelski is getting on in his career. He's in a contract year. So his contract is coming up at the Dallas Stars. What do the Stars do? Are they going to be <clears throat> buyers or sellers? Teams would line up to get Joe Pavelski in their no lineup question. by the trade deadline. But I, I think of Joe Pavelski and his family, and this must be a real treat for him. I here I am speaking for Joe Pavelski, but I assume, <laughs> you know, the opportunity to come to Vegas with your family, maybe this is his last opportunity. I, I remember being at St. Louis, at the last all-star game <clears throat> talking to Eric Stahl, very similar, right? Has his family there and his kids on the ice and, it's a real meaningful thing, yes, I is. think, for a lot of players, whether it's first time or maybe it's an opportunity towards the end of your career to take part in something like this. So I'm really happy for Joe Pavelski and can't wait to see how uh, how it works out for Team Central Division.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For me, my biggest surprise is going to be Jake Gensel. You think back to past All-Star <clears throat> games. Always Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Flurry back in the day, right? Total like suspects, how man. often are we coming to an all-star weekend where one of those usual suspects aren't there? And for Jake Gensel to be having the year that he's had, 23 goals, 23 assists, looks like he's primed to score 40 this year. For him to be doing that, but also been doing it when they don't have Sidney Crosby in the lineup for a lot of the games. They don't have a beginning Malkin in the lineup for the first half of the season, or at least very much in the first half of the season. Gensel's been a great surprise. And one of those guys who, I mean, if you had told me at the beginning of the year, he was going to be an all-star and he was going to score a lot of these goals without Crosby. I just, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but I want to circle back to what you were talking about, Scott, in terms of what this means for players. And maybe this is a question for you as well, Mike, and you got to go to a couple American League all-star games later on
1: in your career. What does it mean when you finally get that call after kind of grinding away? It can mean so much to to players in different ways. Like like Scott alluded to, you think of Joe Pavelski, who can really celebrate this with his family. Mm -hmm, You know, it's an opportunity. I mean, if he chooses so to bring your kids in, and uh, but then you think of maybe like Jack Campbell. What a great story! You know, I mean, he's had to claw his way to being a starting goaltender in the National Hockey League, and if this being selected Mm -hmm. to an All Star game is something of like an affirmation of your career and what you've accomplished. And then you get the young players who've just hit the big time and it's such a jolt of energy to them and they're so excited. So it can mean different things to different players, but it is an honor. It's something that you will always have on your resume. It's always a feather in your cap. And even if you're only one, even if you don't win a Stanley Cup, it's something you can hang your hat on and say, at one point in my life, I was one of the best and here's the roster to prove it. <laughs> Dude, <clears throat> do you have the ro- the, your jersey from the
3: All-Star event? I do, Have yeah. I mean, you yeah, not so. seen his closet? He has yeah, every jersey I, ever. I do, I yeah, yeah. So I, I see have... it every week, it's <laughs> hard to tell.
2: I
1: have the ECHL All-Star jersey, I have the American League All-Star jersey, and we all know I wasn't anywhere close to an NHL All-Star jersey, but yes, I do have those. Those nice. things are really nice to us and letting us take one home.
3: Yeah, no, I I, I agree with Mike in that, and I think it's, you know, for young players, um, you know to get to come and rub shoulders with their peers and to be part of that. I think of a guy like Freddie Anderson, you know, having a a terrific season in Carolina. No, it didn't end all that well for him in Toronto. And so you wonder, you know, how 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 is it going to work? How's it going to fit in a new home? Well, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes are one of the top teams in the NHL. Freddie Anderson has to be in the Vezina Trophy discussion at this point for him to come here and to be part of this kind of event. You know, I'm sure that maybe some guys would prefer to be feet, you know, feet up for a week or four or five days or whatever. But No, I think it's a really important uh, signal for a lot of players. Um, and, and you wonder coming out of All-Star, will there be players who, you know, have a boost of confidence from this? And you wonder what, you know, what's the, what's the, you know, what's the cumulative effect of being honored this way? And does it translate into success coming out of the All-Star
1: break? I'm curious to see that. Yeah, me too. And I think, I think it's real. Yeah, you know, and I think it is. I think you can walk out of this and have a little burst of energy, and and there's just so many cool things going yeah. on. You know, a chance to interact with fans. I mean, they're going to be out shooting pucks on the Bellagio Lake. I mean, unreal! That's going to see, be so, yeah. I mean, this is this is Vegas too. It's cool. Look at our screen right now. I mean, we got the neon and everything. Like, it's a neat event for me and the players. We're excited to come to Vegas.
0: And I think that's a big part of it too. And I think maybe this is something we could talk about tomorrow as well, but keeping it in spots where players want to go. I get that you want to give that incentive to every market and give that reward to every market, Mm -hmm. but the talk about it potentially going to Florida, right? Again, a spot where I think a lot of players would want to go, but we'll have more on that tomorrow. That's going to be a wrap for Inside All-Star Break delivered by DoorDash. All right, let's move into our daily face off inbox question. And this one comes from our friend Ryan Pike over at Flames Nation. And this is something, I mean, without the question, we were talking about this a little bit earlier as well. But who is the best target for the Calgary Flames coming up
1: to the deadline? Mike, I really like Claude Giroux and a lot of this is going to be driven by Giroux himself. Chuck Fletcher, the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, has said, hey, Claude's going to have the opportunity to make the decision if he wants to move on or not. But I look at that Flames roster and down the middle, I think they could use a little bit of help. Mm Backlund and monahan they've been fighting for second, third line minutes at center. And neither of them really grasp that role. And, And I just look at how Giroux could fit into that team. You could play first line if necessary, but I don't see that happening with uh with the way Lindholm plays up front. I think mm-hmm. that he make, really fits his second or third, a boost on the power play for them. And I think he'd fit right into Daryl Sutter. I think that once you show up and have the pressure taken off of you of being the captain previously, mm-hmm. sometimes that's a weight off your shoulders. You know, you just walk in and you can play your game. So I like Giroux there. I think the addition of the leadership quality and the experience, he'd really work in that locker room. and. Give them a little boost in scoring. Not yeah. that they really need much of it. I mean, they're yeah. <laughs> scoring left and right, but he yeah. would help. Yeah. And the thing about Claude Giroux, of course, can
3: play the wing. He's, you yeah. know, he's gone back mm-hmm. and forth. So natural, you know, the first part of his career played a lot of center and then has yeah. more moved to the wing. But you're right. Uh, what kind of options for Daryl Sutter? You know, for me, though, eh, the circle back, maybe the former captain, Mark Giordano, In a contract here in Seattle, um, hasn't gone the way I think a lot of us expected it would go uh, for the Kraken. Uh, Not sure how he fits in long term for Seattle in terms of dollar term moving. He gets a little bit closer to the end of what is an extraordinary career for him. And What does he know best? He knows the Calgary Flames. He knows that marketplace. And 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 having talked to Mark in the past, it's just such a quality, quality person. Yeah. Come playoff time, come the grind. Listen, the, the Flames team's not guaranteed a playoff spot. That West is—it's the Wild West. It's yeah. wide open. The Oilers in the mix there. We talked about the Ducks. Uh, I like Mark Giordano as a as a fit because it is—it's just an, a seamless kind of thing. Question is, you know, what Ron Ron Francis going to want in terms yeah. of return? Uh, uh, but I like Mark Giordano going back to Calgary.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, the idea. I mean, a lot of talk about that team adding scoring depth and adding it forward. But scoring at times really hasn't been much of an issue. So maybe they do mm-hmm. pivot and go with a defenseman. Uh, speaking of teams that can maybe go on a run, that ties in nicely to our daily bet segment delivered by PointsBet. There's no games for me to bet on tonight. <laughs> what so are it's, a, it, well, well, it's a to do? Well, you're in Vegas. I'm in Vegas, I, in, yeah. I
1: have some options <laughs> here. There are <laughs> other sports seen? in
0: the world. Uh, but uh, it's a good enough time at the halfway point to take a look at what the Stanley Cup odds are, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet. And really not surprising at all that it's the Colorado Avalanche sitting at the top, plus 450 to win the stanley cup the top five includes the panthers golden knights lightning and the carolina hurricanes who've seen a big jump up the last time we did this kind of a, about a month and a half ago it was the canes down at that 12 to 1 range the toronto maple leafs there sixth nine to one listen they're always a little bit overvalued but that's what public money can do in the betting space but as we scroll our way down here you can see boston pittsburgh and the Minnesota Wild at 15 to one. And that's an interesting spot for me. And if you're w- looking to maybe sprinkle a little bit of money on a team right now to win a, to win the Stanley Cup, I would look at teams like Minnesota and New York that you know will have wiggle room and assets at the deadline. And that could potentially load up a little bit before a playoff run. But as you can see, the rest of the playoff teams kind of just slot in after that. Calgary Flames, we talked about the Blues, the Predators, the Capitals at 25 to one. If they get a goalie, that's a team that I wonder about if they can just get hot at the right moment. And then you can see Edmonton 35 to one, potentially the same spot there with the Oilers. But I mean, neither of you guys are necessarily big hockey betters. But when you look at that list,
3: is there a team that you maybe think it catches your eye and you go, hey, they might be a little undervalued here. Well, I I, I know everyone loves Colorado and, and why not? Uh, I was talking to a scout uh, last week or so and what, of course, a lot of us were waiting for the uh, rival. Uh, Jack Eichel's here in Vegas, Mm -hmm. but his arrival in that lineup could happen as soon as, you know, a week or so after the all-star break, he seems just about ready to get into it. And I talked to the scout who felt that that center depth position for Vegas with Eichel in the lineup, he likes them. Ahead of Colorado. Now, you know, listen, Colorado's absolutely on fire. It'd be interesting to see what Joe Sackett does approaching the trade deadline. But remember last year in the playoffs, that Vegas team really smothered the Avs. The Avs had no answer, but Vegas brought. And with Eichel in that lineup, Pete DeBoer's uh, options in terms of uh, dialing around the centers and the the forward depth. Uh, I like, uh, I like Vegas. I know they're up up near the top, but uh, I am, I think Vegas might be, they were a team that I had, going a long way yeah. at the beginning of the season. I have no
1: reason to think any differently right now. Fair Tyler, enough. I'll give you a couple of quick ones there. Carolina for your safe bet, yeah. but if you're looking for your long shots, I really like Pittsburgh and Minnesota at the odds that are given right there.
0: Yeah, some some really juicy payouts right now. If you're looking to get into the futures markets, that's our betting report brought to you by PointsBet. And as we always do, we will wrap up the show with a little garbage time. And Mr. Burnside,
3: you drew the straw. It's your turn. I drew the straw. And I when the the Edmonton Oilers signed Evander Kane, I listen. I, I didn't like it. I don't like the. I didn't like the uh, the motivation, which was win at all costs. Right. So anyway it is what it is.
1: We're desperate. We we're have desperate. to win. We have we'll, to take win. we'll take anybody. We don't
3: care what the legal proceedings are. That's it. But I will say this, and Mike and I were talking about this. Uh, Evander Kane's two goals, uh, one assist in his three games with the Oilers. Nice job. I think they're 5-0-1 in their last six. Yeah, they're on a bit of a roll. On a bit of a roll. Have Now you know, they're right back in the playoff hunt. And I wonder if Evander Kane's arrival there from the outside at least, has taken some of the pressure off Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about the very public uh, testiness between the media and I think by extension the fan base and the Edmonton Oilers during their swoon. Uh, I wonder if just Evander Kane's presence has focused the attention away from those two leaders just enough to allow a little breathing space. The questions are different now and the team's winning, of course, so that changes things. But I wonder if it's not just what Evander Kane's doing on the ice, which is, he's been great and it provides Dave Tippett all kinds of options in terms of his you know rolling out three or four lines that you know can be effective and are hard to defend but I wonder if just that little bit of breathing space for Dre's Idol and McDavid has allowed them to get back into the the, the groove that we saw them uh, in at the start of the season so there you go there's Evander paying dividends already who knew he's the distraction they needed he's a distraction they needed well put
0: <laughs> absolutely speaking of distractions I'm going to try just you know keep working throughout the day here not get too distracted by the bright light and uh, the fancy blackjack tables down here in Vegas. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow. As always, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com. Skills comp tomorrow as well, which should be a ton of fun. For Mike McKenna and Scott Burns, I'm Tyler Rumcheck Thanks for tuning in. We'll chat again tomorrow afternoon.
1: Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.